he was in uh, RoboCop too, wasn't he? He was in RoboCop, wasn't he? Wasn't he one of like the people on the board of the company? Well, uh, welcome to another episode of Stargate Weekly. I'm Thad Haight. I'm Stuart Hollis. And this week, we're going to talk about politics. The episode, not like actual politics. We might talk a little bit about actual politics. I do have one thing in my notes about that's tangentially related to actual politics. I saw that. You want you want the synopsis? Yes, I want the synopsis. So the synopsis. <laughs> a powerful US senator vows to shut down the Stargate project despite Jackson's passionate belief that the Gua'uld will soon invade Earth. That's spot on. Yes, the only commentary I have about the synopsis is that they do the New York Times thing where they uh, put periods in between initialisms. What? U period S period. Ah, uh, yeah. N period A period S period A period. Ah, yeah, I hate that. Yes, because obviously you know what an initialism is. No, I actually wasn't sure. Oh, and initialism is... I mean, I, I picked it up from context clues now that you, like, explained it. <laughs> right. So I'm going to pull some uh, Jack's position and explain to you the thing in the middle of the thing. And we'll get to Jack's position later. And initialism is... Obviously, you know what an acronym is. And so do you, our dear listener. Yes. An initialism is anything that isn't an acronym, but is still reduced down in that way, such as U.S. Because mm. I don't think it quite qualifies as an acronym, right? I'm not sure that there is, like, uh, there are requirements for an acronym other than, you know, it has to be the first letters of the words that yeah. it makes up. It's... It's a rectangle square thing where all squares are rectangles, but not all rectangles are squares. Mm. Not all initialisms are acronyms. Mm -hmm. Right. And now I'm wondering if maybe acronym specifically is like one where you more commonly refer to it. I would definitely say that in that case, N period A period S period A period is an acronym. It shouldn't have periods. Acronym is a word or name formed as an abbreviation. So NASA isn't an acronym. USA is not. Because we don't say USA. We do not say USA. And we don't say FBI. So FBI and USA are both initialisms. I don't know that I've ever seen FBI with periods. The New York Times. Read literally any New York Times article ever. Because you know what they also do? H period P period. Ugh. Exactly. Well. So are you ready to talk about the actual show and not... Perhaps this is why, in the words of our president, they are the failing New York Times. This has been a brief interlude of Fadden Stewart, Semantics Semi-Weekly. And now, back to the show. Yes. So what do you remember of this episode? Um, I mean, directly in the episode, not all that much because I don't watch it usually. Uh, I remember that it's the first appearance of, of Senator Kinsey. Mm -hmm. 
and that he wants to shut down the Stargate program, and that it's a clip show. That's exactly what I have written down. On paper. La-dee-da. Um, Jack was a little funny. Yeah. As Jack is wont to be. I mean, not like ha-ha funny. Mildly amusing. Right, exactly. You made the Wizard of Oz joke. Yes. So, you know, there was that. And then there was the 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 bake sale car wash thing, too. I like the bake sale car wash thing. Yes. And I especially liked how after him had said, this is the face I I make when I'm not laughing. And then Jack says car wash. Him, it does in fact chuckle. Car wash? Before the car wash thing, though, General Hammond points out to Jack mm-hmm. that the SGC is a $7.4 billion line item. An unofficial project. That just happens to cost $7.4 billion a year to operate. And yet, it somehow costs a billion dollars to turn the lights on? Right. Turn the lights on. Not keep them on. Just slip the switch. Yeah, those two numbers don't add up. They really don't. But the larger point is that what got my brain churning was when he said that they had marked it off as Area 52 Mm -hmm. on the DoD budget. Now, I had thought, based on our conversations with our friend living out in California, that Area 52 was near Edwards Air Force Base. I thought that was Area 51. Area 51 might also be near Edwards Air Force Base. I don't have a solid handle on how big Edwards is vis-a-vis, say, Rhode Island. It may, in fact, be larger. Right. Once you get out west in this country, the scale of things gets really skewed. Yeah, dude, I know. I've been to Edwards Air Force Base. All right, fine. Rub that in a little bit that you got to see our friend out there and I didn't. So, listener, Thad and I both grew up on the East Coast. And although we've ventured outside of the East Coast, I lived for a year, two year and a half outside Chicago. Uh, I have spent a lot of time in Nashville, which is... Still pretty east. I'd still call that east coast. It's not east coast, all right? Like, it's at least, it. it is, it's not, no part of Tennessee touches the coast. Well, no part of Pennsylvania touches the coast either, but... No one cares about Delaware. Imagine being able to be magically whisked away to Delaware. Hi, I'm in Delaware. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> so, we've both ventured further west from the east coast i've been out to the out to the southwest seen the grand canyon the petrified forest it's all amazing i can't wait to go back i wish i had seen that but the concept of scale out in the west coast is so wild in my brain Mm -hmm. things on the east coast do not get that large we don't have that much space to spread out because the country started over here bite me, California. And so we're all kind of closely packed in comparatively. To be fair, there were settlements in California before the country started over here. Yeah. Before the country started. Obviously, there were settlements on the East Coast before there were on the West Coast. Right. Exactly. Because East Coast. I looked it up. Area 52, getting back to this episode, Mm -hmm. I was wrong. It's not near Edwards at all. It is either, so 
two different locations, according to Wikipedia, are classified as Area 52. Classified meaning in Wikipedia as far as Wikipedia is concerned. Right, yeah. One of them is Dugway Proving Ground, which is 85 miles southwest of Salt Lake City. Okay. So Dugway uh, is a U.S. Army facility established in 1942 to test biological and chemical weapons. Mm. Right. Fun. Another location that is sometimes classified as Area 52 is Tonopa Test Range. In this case, Tonopa is 70 miles west of Groom Dry Lake. Now, Groom Dry Lake is Area 51. Okay. And also the home of Skunk Works. Mm-hmm. You're familiar with Skunk Works? Yeah. Okay. Uh, if any listener isn't, tweet at us. Uh, and as such, it's uh, largely a facility for testing the airplanes out of Skunk Works. So it's not so there is some conspiracy sort of tie-in to Tonopa, but it's not as heavy as Area Fifty One, which is all about, of course, all the aliens. Well, yeah, I mean it's where the aliens are. We everyone knows this. Everyone knows this. I mean it's not. It is where they keep the other Stargate and where they do whatever experiment they feel like doing on whatever latest tech has been brought back. Getting back to the episode though. Mm-hmm. So car wash joke. Yeah. What else uh, jumped out at you? So when they meet Kinsey, mm-hmm. when Kinsey, Kinsey comes in, uh, Hammond, Jack, and Sam are all in their, you know, fancy uniforms. Dress blues. Yeah. And Daniel's just wearing fatigues. I feel like Daniel should be wearing a suit. That's a good point that I had not thought of at all. To be fair, they found out that morning. That's true. That Kenzie was showing up, and that they would be expected to give him a briefing. Yeah, but still, I hear you. I'm with you. I like I said, I had not, I had not noticed or thought of that at all. One thing that I did notice was Kenzie comes in late, mm-hmm. and is talking about some congressman a certain congressman who will go nameless just does not know how to take no for an answer Mm -hmm. and i'm wondering he might be the most senior member of the senate appropriations committee because this is the first place that my head went was how as the senior most member of the senate appropriations committee how like pissed off is he allowed to be about a congressperson not or uh, about a congressperson taking up too much of his time or what was it like you like they won't take no for an answer but something about that it just makes me wonder like how much power does this guy think he has mm, a lot right i mean in light of jack saying it's just I, I don't get it. How does one man get that much power? Constitution of these United States. Okay, nowhere in the Constitution of the United States does it say, <laughs> and the senior most senator of the Appropriations Committee. I venture to say the Constitution doesn't mention the Appropriations Committee once. I'm going to let you walk out on that limb alone, because I'm not near, I am not nearly confident enough in my knowledge of the Constitution. All right, it's been a few years since I read the Constitution, 
but it's my understanding that congressional committees and so forth are not in the Constitution at all. That's all stuff that's been just created as a way to, you know, handle the day-to-day minutiae of the government, but I don't think any of that is actually in the Constitution. It's also been a very long time since I've read the Constitution. I probably should, again, in light of the ongoing crisis. Mm. I said we talk a little bit about politics. Well, since we are talking about politics... Your note says he has a Trump tie. (laughs) Yes, yes he does. It's a big red tie that hangs down below his waist. Yep, that's Trump tie. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so broad stroke over the course of the episode, I gotta say, Kenzie's not wrong. He's not. Uh, both on the on the fact that the Stargate program is possibly endangering Earth, and on the fact that it's not his responsibility to care about other worlds. But not just that, but also that if someone comes to him and says, we have this thing, it's going to cost $7.4 billion a year. Now, my personal perspective is, and I realize that a dollar here, a dollar there, suddenly is real money. But anyway, from... A national perspective, programs that cost a few million, with an M, dollars or less, we can maybe focus on later, and we should be focused on things that, why does this line item cost $7.4 billion a year? And his, which I believe is, I honestly don't, it must be a quote from something, probably either Shakespeare or the Bible. I honestly don't know. Uh, but that's usually where those things are quotes from. I believe that which grows in shadow but withers in the light of day does not belong on the vine. I mean, he's he is right about that, too. Sunshine is the best disinfectant. Mm-hmm. Oh, so by the way, the Constitution does not mention the Appropriations Committee. Uh, the closest thing it has is no money shall be drawn from the treasury, but in consequence of appropriations made by law and a regular statement and account of receipts and expenditures of all public money shall be published from time to time. So the Constitution, like, establishes why the establishes that, like, appropriations have to be done by law. So it so because of that, that's why the Appropriations Committee exists. But the Constitution itself does not establish it. Right. And it does establish that Congress has the power of the purse. Yep. Right. Yeah, I tried looking up the, anything that forces the dark thing, but that isn't working. So we'll just ascribe it to the Shakespearean Bible and call it a day. <laughs> Shakespearean Bible. No, but Kenzie's not wrong. He is sees this line item, thinks it's pretty high, is not seeing any technology or weapons being brought back, even though, jumping well ahead, Carter calls out that, well, that's what we're trying to do, is bring back weapons and technology. You haven't done either. To gather technology, weapons. Not at this price or this level of competence. Yeah. Other than Teal'c staff weapon which is both a weapon and technology. But he takes it in the field every day, every other day. I don't know how often they run missions. And it's not like it's in at Area 51 for 
testing of how how do they pa- pack this much power into this tiny little dingus like what yeah and speaking of carter how did she not notice that samuels had gotten a promotion yeah that should have been like the first thing she saw right i can understand jackson mostly just jackson i don't think teal cares about human rank out probably not. outside of you are the highest ranking person in this building you are probably the second highest ranking person in this building everything below that whatever um yeah i can understand why jackson would maybe say oh major samuels actually it's lieutenant colonel samuels thank you very much so i noticed something when looking at these uniforms and this has really basically nothing to do with stargate but it's weird to me the alignment of the rank pins. So, for a captain, it's uh, aligned uh, at so that it's you you look at the symbol vertically when standing in front of the person. For a colonel, it's aligned it's aligned so they're sideways when you're standing in front of the person. And for a general, they're sort of diagonal. Uh, for general, on the epaulets, they are aligned along the shoulder line. Yeah. What? No, hold on. Mm. Okay, take the epaulet, because it's rectangular, which is not a square. Yeah. This is easy. It either is hot dog or hamburger, right? Right. Okay, so hot dog line, the general stars are on the hot dog line. Right. That crease is the shoulder line to which I'm referring. Then general stars are not... Oh! Oh, now he sees it. Okay, yeah, you're right on that. Okay. Okay, so I'm looking at some epaulets in pictures of uh, Captain's Rank. It looks like on a Captain's Rank, they are the opposite of the rest. Yeah. If it's bars, if it's bars, they're perpendicular to the shoulder line for anything above bars. So, Oak Leaf, Eagle, Mm -hmm. Star, it's parallel to the shoulder line. Yeah, and why? Why? I'm sure there's a really great reason 400 years ago. (laughs) Yeah, probably. I looked up the exact... the exact line, that which grows in shadow but withers in the light of day. And when I Google it, I just get a bunch of things about this episode of Stargate. (laughs) (laughs) So so it's not from the Shakespearean Bible. (laughs) Well, it sounds like it's a biblical or Shakespeare or some, a quote from something. It doesn't sound like something that he would just say. Uh, Yeah, it it does sound like something that he's quoting almost. You're not wrong. Um... Getting back to Kenzie being not wrong. Mm-hmm. When he is talking about... Jack is telling him about the present threat that exists mm-hmm. out there. And Kenzie fires back that he has heard threat used as a justification time and time again. And all I'm thinking is, yeah, man, sing it. But then he goes on for expenditures, 
And the way he pronounces expenditure with the long U, expenditure. The word threat, Colonel O'Neill, has been used far too often by this country's military as a justification for expenditures that we can no longer afford. In addition to the fact that at that at that point where you know, switching from military using a nebulous threat as a justification for whatever, or not just the military, government using a, some mm-hmm. nebulous threat as justification for insert action here. Uh, yeah, no, that it happens all the time. But then it gets into the heavy expenditure thing. It's like, I don't even know anymore. What the heck is your... <laughs> I can't pin down what party Kenzie is supposed to be from, but this, this is 20 years in the past, so maybe people were allowed to have nuanced positions back then. <laughs> so let's get into... The clippiness of the clip show. Yes. What was the first uh, clip slash flashback slash whatever you want to call it they dropped on us? Uh, Children of the Gods. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had um, we had Apophis telling telling them saying to kill them all as he leaves, and then them convincing Teal'c to fight for them and escaping. Mm-hmm. And then they talk to Kinsey some more, and then we get the scene of the Death Glider attack, and then getting shot down by the. Well, you know more about military weapons than I do. Uh, I think it was a shoulder-mounted stinger. Cool. So, I'm gonna admit, it took me longer than I would have liked to realize that the point of Kinsey bringing up this particular mission report was to further emphasize his point of do we really have anything to fear from the Gould? Mm -hmm. It wasn't quite as far as... Because we hit a point where he actually... Either he or Samuels literally makes that point. Yeah, I hadn't gone on quite that far. But it was somewhere between the first and second flashback that I'm like, oh, that's what he's trying to say. The second flashback was especially that. Yes. When they said, when they basically, when they talked about how they're, the Gould are very powerful, and he brings up, like, well, you were able to shoot down one of their fighters. Right. We're back in the briefing room. Mm-hmm. And at some point in this period, Daniel says, we have reason to believe that they'll come with ships, and... Kinsey, you know, scoffs and says that we'll we'll just take care of them. And Daniel makes an Independence Day joke. Oh, you're right. We'll we'll just upload a computer virus into the mothership. I picked up on that too. It was great. Which would have been relevant at the time. Yes, it's always relevant. Are you trying to say that Independence Day is not always relevant? Oh no, no, no not at all. I'm just saying, at this time in 1998, Independence Day was still fresh in the zeitgeist. Also, for those who may not be aware, Independence Day was originally going to be the sequel to Stargate the movie. Wait, what? Yeah. Count me among those not aware. (laughs) I swear we've talked about this. You're wrong. Okay. I recognize they were both directed by Roland Emmerich. And Dean Devlin. I didn't realize that Dean Devlin was involved with Independence Day the movie. Yeah. I don't know why it said the movie. So it was Independence Day the show. <laughs> I would totally watch Independence Day the show. Uh, I would at least check it out. Uh, so, Roland Emmerich and Dean Devlin 
made Stargate. And then they wanted to make a sequel, but MGM didn't want to make another movie. They wanted to make a TV show, so MGM wouldn't give them the rights to make another movie. So they took the plot they were going to use for the next movie and turned it into Independence Day. That's something. Yeah. That's amazing. So I, I thought, you know, that was, you know, interesting and worth mentioning it when Stargate references Independence Day. You should put that in the show notes. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so in between our flashbacks, though, the gate, there is a inbound traveler. Ah, yes. It's just SG-2 returning on schedule, Senator. There's nothing to worry about. Oh, I disagree, General. On the contrary, I believe there's a lot to worry about. Right, exactly! And I'm thinking, what, that they returned on time? <laughs> like... I think he's just trying to say gate travel in general, but yeah, it was kind of weird. Yeah, I, I'm I'm constantly oscillated between agreeing with Kenzie's position and thinking he's a jackass. Mm. And then we get a flashback back to episode eight, The Knox, because Jack, cottoning on to Kenzie's point of but you're a bunch of humans with barely any weapons at all, and yet you keep surviving. Jack points out rightfully, they've killed us before, you know. Yeah. So we get that uh, that so-called carefully planned ambush. Yep. That's what that was. And then when they get done with that flashback, and I think it was Carter making the point of, well... Apophis had a personal shield. What if the whole army had a personal shield? Mm-hmm. And I was... I think she mentions that the ship would have a shield, too. Right. And I was kind of eh, scoffing at that idea, I guess, is the closest word to it. Partly because, A, Apophis has positioned himself as a god, and so therefore wouldn't give his individual people or even an entire army any sort of shielding, but the ship thing is valid. But then I realized that the difference between your average pistol and a paladin, which is a long-range artillery piece, is really not that different. True. There's not a whole lot of difference between those two things. Yeah. So human technology, for example, there isn't necessarily all that much difference between little things that do a thing and big things that do a thing so extrapolating well this one guy has a shield maybe they can put on a whole ship is actually not as crazy as i scoffed at initially hmm. yeah okay i can see that so the next the next uh clip we get is from the movie, actually. Yes. When they talk about the ships. Mm -hmm. And we see, because Kinsey asks if they have actually seen one of these ships. And we see the, we see Ra's ship landing on the pyramid from the movie. And then it's spliced into a clip from... Singularity. Episode 7. Yeah, uh, where Jack and Teal'c see um, Nearty's ship with the telescope, and then the gliders attack them on the planet. Actually, now I can't remember. Were they gliders or were they uh, Alkesh? They were gliders. Gliders attack them on the planet. 
and looking at I, I watched that sequence a couple of times. They were colliders. Okay. Yeah, I don't think we know about Alkeshes yet. We do not. Forget I said anything. That was a word that you don't know. What word? Exactly. Uh, speaking of singularity, which is, I don't think actually, I don't think that was episode seven. I think it was a little later than that. Yeah, it's, in, it's interesting to note that these are not... Fifteen. Yeah, way off. Yeah. It's interesting to note that these are not in uh, order. They are not, because we do then later get a flashback to episode seven, but before that... Jackson makes the point that that single ship was responsible for the death of SG-7 and over a thousand people on the planet. There were a thousand people in that tiny little village? Uh, Sure. Because a thousand people on the entire planet is ridiculous and unsustainable. I think we talked about that at the time when we watched that episode. We did. Yeah. Um, To Jackson's point, whoop-dee-doo? Yeah. One ship. Especially about SG-7. It's like, yeah, they killed four people. Woo. And then another thousand. So a thousand and four people. But, and this is going to tie in to something that I picked up on later, but Earth had in 1997 about six billion people. Exactly. Yeah. So a thousand from one ship. Oh, well, I mean, that's no good. Loss of life, always bad. But... A thousand. Wow. Yeah. And then we get a further sort of what's the point you're trying to make here flashback to episode seven this time. Yes. Cold Cold Lazarus. And I get that they are sentient crystals and all that. But blowing up a bunch of things that can't move? Yeah. They're not making their case for it. They're really not, which like kept coming back to me throughout this entire episode was that SG-1, who's doing all the talking, Hammond barely does any at all, and what talking he does is mostly focused on like giving Jack the go-ahead or tell, or along those lines. Honestly, the only things I can recall that Hammond says in the room is he at the beginning he thanks Kinsey when he expresses his admiration right. for the armed forces, and he tells Samuels to get the hell out of there. Between those two, agreeing with Kinsey's statement, Hammond's a two star. You don't get to be a two star without playing at least the military political game. Yeah. So he's not an idiot. Mm-hmm. In between, though, him thanking Kenzie and telling Samuels to get the hell out of there, uh, Hammond makes the point that my people are the best people for this mission. My people are the best out there, Senator. I'm sorry, General, but your best is not good enough. Oh, yeah, he did do that. And Kenzie replying, the best isn't good enough. Mm, well. Clip show. Indeed. So the next clip we have mm-hmm. is from The Enemy Within, so episode three. Yes. So, like, as, as we said, they are not in order. No. Uh, uh, and this uh, was uh, Gould Kowalski fighting Teal'c and ending up dying in the Stargate. Yes. Kenzie points out something that we have brought up a couple of times before, mm-hmm. which is that the gate dialogue room 
The control room, I think. Yeah, so the gate control room is easily accessible. Yes. Which I see as sort of like reverse foothold foreshadowing that an enemy within. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, we didn't did we we didn't even mention this. The name of this episode happens like immediately after the theme. Right. So I stopped watching. Yes, we did not mention that. But now we have. So you can stop listening. Yeah. No, don't stop listening. <laughs> I mean, if you really want to, you can. No, We're not, like, forcing you. We are. Well, Stuart is. I'm not. You're alone for this ride, too, now. <laughs> no. Yeah, it's like a reverse foothold. I don't know what you would call it. Like, what would you call a reverse foothold? Uh, hand drop? No, that's silly. Anyway. <laughs> All right. So, after that... that there, you know, after a brief thing between the two, we now cut to episode five, Broker Divide. Yeah. And we have Hammond recommending a quarantine on the phone to the president. And then we have semi-lucid Neanderthal Jack trying to communicate. Yes. And we get done with that and we get back to SG-1 not making their case very well at all. Nope. Because Kenzie asked them... What about the next time that it happens? And Carter replying, there won't be a next time because we solve all these problems that specifically pertain to the last time that it happened. Yeah, but that's not... The next time isn't going to be just like the last time. Right, and that's Kenzie's point, which gets me back to what I was saying earlier, which is that Kenzie's not entirely wrong this whole time. No, he's really not. He's just an asshole. He is, in fact, definitely an asshole, but he is not wrong. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. Am I wrong? You're not wrong, Walter. You're just an asshole. Okay, then. This is what happens when you find a stranger in the Alps. (laughs) (laughs) And that leads us into our next flashback. Brief Candle. I was really hoping in my notes that we would see a fourth scene from Brief Candle. So... Because my notes, as you saw, the first one I said, Sam is startled to see old Jack. And then for the third thing, I said, older Jack watches the video message from the team. And I was hoping the final scene, I could go with oldest Jack. (laughs) But it didn't happen. So now we're getting towards the end of the episode, where, as I had said before, Carter throws out the line that we're out there looking for for technology and weapons. And this is striking to me for two reasons. One current knowledge no you're not i mean they are looking for them okay two because the nid future knowledge is a shadow organization specifically instituted to utilize the stargate to just outright steal alien weapons and technology yeah without any regard for cultural interchange or making a good impression on the indigenous people. Just go in there, stealing stuff, bringing it back to Earth, because maybe, just maybe, it'll be useful in a future conflict against the Gould. Because, surprise, in the next nine seasons of this show, the Gould become a clear and present danger to Earth, except not clear to most of the population. Yeah, that, that's one of my favorite episodes, too. The one where we, we find that out about the NID. Oh, no, I love that one. That was so good. 
I can't wait to talk about it. It'll be great. Yeah. Can't remember the name of it off the top of my head, but I like it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the rest of this, all I have written down is just a series of quick quotes that people have said. So, I don't understand why there wasn't a clip from Hathor, because I feel like Kinsey definitely could have used Hathor to illustrate his point of, you know, a ghoul taking over the SGC. Oh, yeah, no, totally, jeez. I, I, that, I, that had not even occurred to me. You're right. So I got a question for you. Mm-hmm. What do you think Samuel's hair looks like when it's not slicked back? <laughs> I feel like it was more slicked back this time than it was last You're time. You're probably right, but I'm looking at it and I have no real solid-eyed concept of how long Samuel's hair is if it weren't slicked back. Not, like, extremely long. Exactly, right? Like, that's kind of my impression as well. And I'm just wondering, I'm just looking at it, I'm going... I wonder what your hair looks like if you're not using gel. I mean, actually, honestly, my hair would look a lot like his if I put gel in it and and combed it back. Don't do it. Oh, God, no, that looks horrible. Speaking of God. Oh, yes, there's only one God. There is only one God, sir. That's right, because they are one nation under God. Oh, God. And I'm listening to this, and I'm thinking of, and what about the other 95% of the people on Earth? Yeah. Just, and even, you know, even the other people in the U.S. who don't, you know, aren't down with that god. Right, exactly. And also, he thinks it's infinitely more likely that the Gould aren't going to attack the Earth. Infinitely? Infinitely? Ex- yeah, that's... Right? Yeah. Yeah. The only, like, the last, absolute last note I had was Hammond is telling them that the president had given him the directive that if they were not able to convince Senator Dickensy in this one meeting once, that effective immediately they were to seize all operations. Well, what about the people we have off planet? We'll keep the lights on for them. And all I'm thinking is... But it costs a billion dollars to do It costs a billion dollars to turn them on. Huh. Yeah, okay. He didn't specify how much it cost to leave them on. (laughs) Although, since this this was 1997, and none of those light bulbs were low energy. No. It's entirely possible it cost them $1.1 billion to leave them on. (laughs) Yeah. So I would like to comment that that about the thing that I mentioned to you earlier, Mm -hmm. that there are five clip shows in... Stargate SG-1's 10 seasons. Yes. Three of those five contain Senator Kinsey. They are not the only episodes that contain Senator Kinsey, though. Oh, no. There are several others that do. But it's just... Senator Kinsey, as played by Ronnie Cox, who's amazing. I love Ronnie oh, Cox. Oh, yeah. And he always plays this kind of character, too. Just about. Yeah. I, I've seen a couple of shows where he's played... Like a warm version of this character. <laughs> All right, yeah. You know, so like the like like, like the curmudgeonly guy who then you find out is actually like a really loving grandfather. Mm. He plays a character pretty much just like this on an episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation. Had to get you know at least a mention of Star Trek in there. Thank God. I was really <laughs> concerned that we would put this episode of Stargate Weekly to bed without you, without you talking about Star Trek, and, well, at least those <laughs> fears are assuaged. 
Yeah. He was in uh, RoboCop, too, wasn't he? He was in RoboCop, wasn't he? Wasn't he one of, like, the people on the board of the company? He was the primary antagonist in RoboCop. No, that was Kurtwood Smith. Okay. Kurtwood Smith was the primary gangster antagonist. Ronnie Cox played the lead board member who was advocating against the RoboCop program and brought along Ed 209. All right. It's been a while since I've seen RoboCop. You know what? Clearly you know what? <laughs> I can't even. All right. Are you so done? I am so done. Tell the listeners how done I am. He's so done that we're going to end the show. If you want to follow the show, we are on Twitter at Stargate Weekly. We are also on Facebook at Stargate Weekly. We are on the internet on our own website, StargateWeekly.com. And if you want to follow me, I'm at Tyrannicus on Twitter. I'm Gamicus on Twitter. Feel free to follow and Converse with us as much as you like. We would love to hear feedback. You can also leave a review for the episode on iTunes. I Does Google Play have podcast reviews? It Surely must, it does. right? Assuming Google Play has podcast reviews, uh, you can leave one there. If you want to send us a message to tell us whether or not Google Play has podcast reviews, go right ahead. And that's that. Yeah. And we thought we wouldn't have enough to talk about this episode.